It's a Friday evening. It's Cavan Sports 2.0. I am Alan Moore, your co-host for this evening. And it's a wet and rainy day again in Moscow. So bookending our week. Rain at the start, rain at the end. But you know what? We're in great form. And I'm delighted to have on three of the best people in the world of sports. There's Andrew Flint, Alex B, Andy Cody. And we're going to start off with Andrew Flint because he has... Uh, quite a bit of football news for us and um, looking back and also looking forward. Andrew, your two minutes begin now. Uh, well, yes, we've had some uh, quite a lot of breaking news this week. I think I'll start with uh, Barry Bennell was a youth coach with Crew Alexandra and Manchester City in the 1970s, 1980s. And he's in, uh, is in Chester Crown Court at the moment and he's pleaded guilty today to nine counts of sexually abusing young boys under his charge at that point it was it was inevitable because there was so much so much evidence and testimony against him um he is himself at the moment suffering severe health issues he has to be fed with a tube for his stomach every two hours at the moment um and he's already serving a 31 year prison sentence it's just a, a very stark reminder of the atrocities that that took place um also I would argue it's, it's, it's against, a, again, another issue that is incredibly sensitive. But I would say there's a positive slant to this. For a long, long time, over many, many parts of the world of football, there's been a huge issue with child trafficking. Underage players being given promises of dreams, chasing their dreams in Europe, usually from um, underprivileged backgrounds and uh, FIFA have given their backing to a new initiative to put safeguarding measures around the movement of younger children. Now, we know there are certain measures already in place in different countries. For example, um, under the age of 18, you have to be resident within 90 minutes radius of uh, travel radius in the UK for a club. Uh, and there were similar measures in different countries as well. But this is a much more serious matter, in my view. It's, uh, it's an initiative that is backed by UNICEF and has already been trialled by the Muay Thai World Association. I've, sorry, I've forgotten the exact name of the, the body, but they have already been using this. Um, so it's a positive step, not only because they're taking a, a serious interest in it, but they're trialling something in participation, not just with football, but with all sports and other organisations too. So at least there's um, hopefully some positive that will come from that. Yeah, I mean, we've spoken with the um, the guys who are bringing the case, of course, uh, before on Capital Sports. Uh, I mean, it's tragic the amount of damage that was done to young men and then to their families and their future families as well. I mean, it's, it's, it's terrible that they had to, to go through it. Of course, we've recently seen and continue to see what's happening in um, US gymnastics, in UK gymnastics, in UK cycling. You know, unfortunately, uh, where they're, you know, scumbags gravitate towards where they can get places of control over, over vulnerable people or over children. Fortunately, you know that that's the case. But again, I say that it, uh, I agree with you that it, the good that's come out of this is that there is increased awareness that mm. children's rights need to be safeguarded in football. And even though there is still trafficking going on and in more kind of devious ways as well by some of the bigger clubs, it is lessening. Um, Andrew, thank you for that. We're we'll back to you, of course, in a wee bit. Right, we're going to jet off to Toronto, where, of course, one of the bases for the NHL play playoffs will be. However, we're going to start with NBA. And Alex B, you have two minutes. 
All right. Well, I'll just cut straight to the chase here. The, we've been tricked by the NBA yet again. So they, all the games that have been announcing, uh, the, those were all scrimmage games. So the real games happened yesterday. There was only two games, which was the LA Lakers against the Clippers and the Jazz against the Pelicans. So those are the only two games that counted. Uh, the Jazz won against the Pelicans by two points. Again, there was like this sort of uh, people were upset because they sat down Zion Williamson in the fourth quarter and didn't and only let him play like 15 minutes when he's one of the most promising rookies in the team. Uh, so the Jazz just kind of took the game by two points. And the Lakers beat the Clippers by two points as well. That was mostly because of LeBron James' defensive play. He was uh, just shutting down everybody on defense. Far the Lakers have won one game and the Jazz have won one game. So the Lakers, I was talking about how the Lakers and the Clippers, whoever wins this, is going to you know probably be the champion. This doesn't really say much because it was only a margin of two points. Everybody, these, there was more things in that game that you know we found out. Like the Clippers are, uh, they're a very defensive team, but they couldn't find any answers for Anthony Davis, and you know that was that was also a very big part of the part of the game so the updated rankings are the milwaukee bucks are first in the east followed by the raptors and the celtics and in the west the lakers are number one followed by the clippers and the denver Nuggets. on saturday there will be more games happening in um miami heat is going to go up against the denver nuggets the jazz against the thunder the pelicans are going to play against the clippers the 76ers against the pacers the lakers against the raptors which i think is, this is the biggest game on saturday and yeah, that's it for the NBA. Um, so the NHL is it's kicked off pretty much in a similar way. A few games happened. Uh, the Leafs won against the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, so that's that's big, yeah. Um, and on Saturday, the New York uh, Rangers are going to play against Carolina, Chicago at Edmonton, Florida at New York, Montreal at Pittsburgh, and Winnipeg at Calgary. Then on Sunday, Arizona is going to play Nashville, Philadelphia at Boston, St. Louis at Colorado, Columbus at Toronto, and Minnesota at Vancouver. Uh, so the current standings in NHL are, it, br- it brings me no joy in saying this, but Boston is number one with 44 wins, 14 losses, followed by St. Louis with 42 wins, 19 losses, and Colorado in number three. The Leafs are... Number 12. Are you going to be watching that game, the, the Raptors game? I will be watching all the Raptors games, yes. How is that uh, being broadcast? Is it free to air or you have to pay a special subscription? How are you going to watch it? Unless it's... In- <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. That's, that's the, okay, right. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not free, it's not free to air. It's not free to okay. air. Okay, so let's, let's just park that right there. Okay, Alex, thank you. We'll back to you shortly. Right, before we get Alex put in jail and gets his own <laughs> of Peter in Peronish, um, we'll go to Isolt Cody. Isolt, we're bookending the week. We started with a Russian affair. Uh, that's not uh, Alex and... Uh, whichever young lady he invites home this weekend. Um, <laughs> and we're ending... <laughs> sorry, Alex. <laughs> we're ending the week with Dr. Death, Gregory Rochenkov. You've finished the book. Tell us your... Give us your opinion. Okay, well, I'm going to start off by just saying in relation to both books, timing is everything. These two books were designed to come out and I'm delighted that it 
was scuppered for them. It's one positive from Corona. They would have both been coming out during the Olympics, which I think is insulting to all participants, irrespective of what country they were representing, that they would try and take from that event. Because all of the authors of the various books, are, which were ghostwritten uh, for them, are people who participated in the Olympics in one manner or another. So it's just insulting. Gregory's book is as self-indulgent as Icarus was. It shows a man who possibly embellishes much of the story, but ultimately he doesn't try to skirt away from his responsibility. And I think one of the parts of the book I do actually enjoy is he's very, very honest in certain respects. So he describes the 2011 um, investigation where for all the people who like to accuse Russia of being at the forefront of doping, they omit the fact that there was a serious crackdown in 2011, during which time he was questioned at length. He had a suicide attempt. And I think there's a level of honesty to him throughout the book where he's suggesting he's not in any point saying, I didn't do any of the doping crimes. As a matter of fact, people alleged he actually went further and credited himself with things he probably didn't have the ability to do. And then he further goes on to say that obviously he left Russia, he fears for his life, he's in witness protection, all of that, which to an extent, I've no issue with his admission of that. I think a lot of the book is more so a recital of facts that we're aware of from his previous testimony, which gave it such a better listening quality, not necessarily because I like Gregory. Personally, like Icarus took, was a bit of a struggle for me because I thought it was self-indulgent nonsense, the kind of thing that you might see in an artsy film. But I like the fact that he's reciting things that we've already heard. He's not trying to glorify himself and by no means does he try to absolve himself. Whereas I hadn't actually finished the end of the Russian affair last week. I finished the Russian affair. It turns out that having a baby suddenly turned our hero, Yul or sorry, heroine, Yulia, into an amazing mother who was just a sensitive soul who felt bad about reporting on the athletes who, you know, beat her while doping, which she was also doing. So let's face it. If you lose to a pile of doped athletes while you're also doping, that just overall makes you a bit of a loser and can make you a little bitter. Just my feelings on the matter. Gregory, on the other hand, look, he's honest about his part. He goes probably over and beyond his ability, as I've said. Um, what I really, I take great issue with the fact that he also came out this week, obviously in promotion from, for the book, commenting on things um, to do with the current state with Russian uh, reintegration into sports. And ultimately, as of today, we did actually have an update on that where Russia are obviously paying the World Athletics um, the fine or have, sorry, they've guaranteed they're going to pay the fine. I personally continue to take one issue with one big issue and that is the fact that for all those athletes who are now seeking to go back into a Russian program that's going to meet the standards required they're still going to be competing against athletes who probably beat them and beat Russian athletes and I just think the coverage has been absolutely huge for these two books launching mm -hmm. and yet there's been very little coverage of all the other athletes like Christian Coleman that disappeared very quickly. The English, or sorry, British as a whole, Team GB, signing non-disclosure agreements and doing whatever was necessary, that disappeared very quickly. 
And I just hope in years to come, we have similar books to read on what has been clear issues with doping across the board. And the important thing, though, is that Sebastian Coe announced today how delighted he was with Russia. So you could all sleep well tonight. You've got Seb Coe on side. Okay. So in regards to um, the, the situation over stories moving on, I think it's the news cycle is a little bit to blame, but also um, editors know what's coming up in advance. They plan out. I've, I've been in the rooms. I've done this myself where you plan out what you're going to do in advance and you have your schedule. You know what's coming out at certain times. Um, what they really need is every Sunday to have a shock. And if it's the Sunday Times reporting on the latest kind of like little issue with the FAI, the Football Association of Ireland and the former CEO, that's great for this week. Next week, what are we going to do? John could have his own column, the former head of the FBI. Yes, he, he could. He, 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 but, you know, but at the same time, it's basically what sells. And what sells is not, uh, in my opinion, anyway, what sells is not um, how can we fix this and what's going to get better or let's actually boycott British athletics. Let's not report on British cycling. Instead, for example, we have an Irish guy who's riding for Team Ineos, which is, of course, Team Sky, still run by the same criminals, and we're reporting on the Irish guy's progress in a, in a small tour in Spain. If we ever think of a theme that's consistent, think of what is the biggest um, movie franchise in the world in terms of a spy or thriller film? James Bond. Mm-hmm. Where's the good guy from? Uh, Navin, County Meath. Obviously, Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I know, I know what you mean. I know, I know. He's, he's beat. He's beat. Majority of the bad guys from they're anywhere that isn't England. Um, there's a stereotype for a film. That's the stereotype that people like to believe. The idea that the English yes. guys are amazing group of guys who are like you know the royal family. There's everything good, clean, pure, and I think that falls through in terms of how we look at sports and how we look at who should be admired when they do the exact same thing as athletes from other countries. And it's just it's upsetting that if Tokyo had been going on these two books and the news stories that are coming out around it would have made it very difficult for athletes who were there who probably would have been from Russia and competing under a neutral flag because let's face it, the case would have been rushed through. It smacks of a complete inequality in sports and sports is about an equal playing field. Okay. I'm going to give just a a little time to both Alex and Andrew on this. Um, Andrew, I'll start with you on that. Okay, I know you would agree with uh, Eastland in terms of the the way that the narrative is being presented Mm -hmm. and is being pushed. Are the Russians doing themselves any favours? No. Uh, The Russian mentality is, if there's any criticism of them, they just simply try to discredit it altogether. Instead of thinking, well, yes, okay, let's, let's deal with it and explain, look... There is, a, like you say, a playing field that is not level. That would be the angle that would do them the most favours, I think, in the long term. The short term, it wouldn't, because it wouldn't fit the narrative. It wouldn't fit, oh, well, the Russians are the only ones who do things wrong. Um, but um, one thing I find fascinating about the Russian mentality as a whole, and I think it does come down to this, Russians would never ignore this issue altogether. They're fascinated. They're obsessed, I would say, with how the outside world and other nationalities see them. On almost every single level, they they don't let it lie, and it's almost like 
they feel they are so obsessive about it. Their only reaction is to be a knee-jerk defensive reaction when it, it takes it too far the other way. Because that feeds into the narrative. Because people think, well, they are just simply trying to cover up. Therefore, they must be the worst. They're trying to deny all existence of anything happening. When, in fact, they should say, well, okay, yes. And like you sort of pointed out, well, what about all the people who beat us on the podiums? What about all the people who, at the very least, compete, if not dominate? Are they completely clean? That's the angle they should be going for. And this is what, if you listen to John Oliver, if you listen to any of the American commentators, including Umar as well, and they will say, that's the typical Russian, what aboutism? So, yes, we got this, but what about this? So, this is, they, they would accuse Russia of this. I, I, I fully agree with you on all what you said, um, because there, there does need to be a balance. There needs to be also the hands up and say, yeah, we messed up and let's get on with it. Alex B., um, you're yeah. like caught straddling the Atlantic. You're kind, of, you're, you're kind of like hanging low over Iceland and Greenland. While avoiding the Georgian mafia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, be careful what you're going to say next because you're avoiding another group of mafia. Yeah, Alex, what can Russia do? Like, uh, like you heard Andrew, you heard Diesel. What can Russia do yeah. better? Because you're seeing both sides. You've seen it here. You see how they deal with it in North America. You've seen how it was played out, for example, in the Last Dance. Well, some not such good things were being presented in a way that people were going, "Oh, that's okay," and then they went on to the next cool moment and we remember that what can russia do better alex uh sort of both parties could involved here could really do better at what they're doing because i think that a lot of the you know andrew mentioned how you know the russians they really do care about what you know what people think what people say about them in western media and stuff like that well i think the angles that are presented in the western media they're so against you know all the what the russians are doing and you know there's a lot of athletes that you know, aren't that didn't do any of that doping stuff, but they were just like sort of thrown under the bus with like everybody else. And I think that is a lot of what fuels the whole Russian angle of that. You know, it's just is just America, just like the Western media saying that we're all we're all doing this stuff. So I think, you know, that helps kind of fuel the you know people just not believing that that's going on. So I think that the Russian media they need to start acknowledging this stuff because it's not going to be dealt with if it's not acknowledged. That's just you know that's true yeah until they start until they start actually like dealing with the with these things and saying you know and, and you know just not hide this but at the same time i think that i think that it should the, this investigation shouldn't just be so focused on russia as it is right now because whenever whenever you look up anything about russian athletes only just like the doping like all all that other stuff and i think it just takes away from like the athletes that don't do any of that alex Again, you've you've you summed it up perfectly. Someone who's looking at both sides of it you know, to put their hand up and say, "Yeah, okay, we have a problem," and then for the authorities to at least accept that, but to look wider. And again, this isn't what aboutism, Andrew. Again, I'm not saying that what you said was what aboutism. I'm I, I'm I'm looking at this as someone who deeply cares about sport and also is frustrated by all angles. And what I always said was, and I said this on the Russian First channel. Okay, Russia has had and has a problem. Um, we know this. Uh, we can't do anything about other countries. Let them do what they want. Let them dope their kids to hell. We don't care. What I care about is what happens here in Russia. So if all Russian athletes 
are a hundred percent clean, and they're finishing seventh in the world. Final. Okay, hold on, they're not, they're not winning medals, but they are doing it clean. And there will be a breakout athlete who will get, grab a bronze or will, but at least they know to do it clean, and it'll shame everybody else. Or actually, do you know what? No, that's nonsense. It won't shame anybody else. No one cares. It won't. No, that's, I, 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 I agree with your yeah. point exactly, but that is almost the sad part of it. Yeah. It wouldn't shame anybody. It should do, but it wouldn't, unfortunately. No, 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 one's, no one's going to care. No one's going to care. Right. It's going to care. Um, right. right. I think that if, yeah. the, the, if they all stopped doping, I think there would still be a good amount of Russian athletes getting gold medals, to be honest, because there's still the Khabib Magomedovs and, you know, all the, the Ovechkins and all the people that, you know, that yeah. don't really do any of this stuff. Russia has some incredible athletes across the range of sports, particularly in combat sports, who I have absolutely no doubt in my mind are completely clean, who are exceptional. And that's not in doubt. I, my issue continues to be, it's not about Russia's conduct. It's not about any... Russia has an issue that's not in doubt. My issue is, why is it okay for some countries to be singled out more than others? And that's my problem because... Not like in the same way, all men are created equal. All athletes are created equal. Some have genetic advantages, some have location advantages. You should not have an advantage in how you are sanctioned if you do wrong. I'll roll back onto a book that Tim read not that long ago, written by George Orwell called Animal Farm. And there was the things that like all animals are equal, created equal. And then the pigs, of course, took over with some of their allies and they changed things around and said, all animals are equal, but some are more equal than others. And sadly, while sport in its essence is a meritocracy. Now, I'll say, I'll, I'll mention Alex. I saw him playing Gaelic football, first ever Gaelic football match. He trained just a couple of times, maybe three times. He got scores on the board, played well, played his position well, and has ability to go on and play like a decent level of Gaelic football. Sorry, Alex, I know you're, you're going red. Red is my face right now and I'm sunburned. But <laughs> it is the truth. It's a meritocracy because he has sporting ability. He wants to play sporting. He goes out and does it. To get up to the next level, you have to train harder, harder and harder. I know myself. That's what we do. Yeah, exactly. And sport is a meritocracy. And that's what's beautiful about sport. And I knew when I was, in, when I was boxing and I saw some guys not taking shortcuts, but they would take diuretics to lose, to, to make themselves pee more. And I, I mentioned this kind of in a chat with uh, Isol there last week, I think it was. And I saw these guys doing it, but I didn't want to do it because I knew that long-term it would damage you. And also that if I couldn't lose the weight, then I would probably need to move up. That's what my coach always told me, and he was very wise. I made a mistake, the weigh-ins for a Leinster competition. And I need to lose weight. I was about over, uh, just under a kilo over the weight limit for 54 kilos, uh, eight and a half stone. And I was like losing weight. So I took um, Senna, Senna Cut. Now, if anyone knows what Senna oh, Cut God. is, they're laxatives, natural herbal laxatives. They're not banned, they're not nothing. They're just natural, helps you move. I took a couple because my mom had them every so often. Like she would use them or whatever. I, I, my mom would give me here this, but she would take them. Um, or my dad. So I took two on the Friday, or on the, yeah, Friday night, Sunday morning's way, and so I took two on the Saturday, another cup, no, nothing was really happening that much, like it was normal kind of service. And then I took about, I'd say by midnight on Saturday, I'd taken around 12, maybe 14. So Sunday morning I woke up, 
and I was in ribbons. So I went, of course he was. I stepped on the scales. I was like 200 grams overweight, half a pound. I was, there's nothing left inside me. There's nothing left in my body. <laughs> dying I had to be I couldn't step on the scales I was just like and he said you had to lose weight so I ran 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 came back in they rubbed me down stepped up in the scales and said you've just made it so there you go boxing is back in Eddie Hearn's back garden so Matchroom have a boxing event on this weekend I will say to anyone who is not a boxing fan like I live for Matchroom events I have been like a giddy child on Christmas morning all week it has been very annoying for everyone, especially my poor dog, who like recognizes the announcers when they're doing the weigh-ins. He recognizes their voices and he's like, oh damn, these people are back. However, I would urge everyone, this weekend there is a fight between two guys, Ted Cheeseman, what a name, what a name, and Sam Eggington. That's the headline event from Eddie's Back Garden. The setup looks incredible, but that fight will be an all-out war. Neither guy are like at the top of their, like they're not at the top level for their ability, but in terms of British and probably European, they're at the absolute top echelons of their game. And the thing I really enjoy about this fight isn't the quality of the fighters. Individually, I think they're okay. They're, you, they wouldn't normally be headline events. I've seen both of them live on more than one occasion fighting. They will give it everything. If you want to see a fight where two guys will batter each other until one of them is declared the winner, I say that with the provider that I'm not in favour of anyone incurring any unnecessary injuries, but I also happen to know one of their trainers is Tony Sims and the other is John Pegg, so those boys are going until someone wins. It's worth tuning into. It's free to air on Sky here um, in the sense that you can also watch a lot of it online. It's worth watching. Eggington, Cheeseman, for the names alone, egg and cheese, tune in. <laughs> tune in. Okay, I like that one. So you made a, quite a tasty sandwich. That I dislike the fact that you could remember being 54 kilos on a scale at any point. Let's not bring weight into it. <laughs> I didn't go for 48, so like, uh, it was a long time ago. Right, we're going to run around the houses right now. We're going to start off. Alex B, um, if you had to choose, would you go... Would you go Bruins or Celtics? Pick one to win their respective championship. Right now, the Celtics. If the Celtics could pull off a championship right now, I will. I'll become a Celtics fan. I'll stop yeah. all the slander oh. forever if they can oh. pull that off. Alex. Go Celtics! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Peter P will be spinning in his tent right now. He's back with us. Oh yeah, team. yeah, he's gonna. Oh be yeah, happy. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing, but. This is a nice easy one for you. Um, would it be a kebab or a cheeseburger? Well, the kebab's the nearest thing to a shawarma, so I'll have to say kebab. Oh, I mean, it's got to be the shawarma version a bit, though. Isolt, abracababra or Romeo's? Romeo. Abracababra, we don't know where that started off, like. <laughs> you have to go with something solid and that you know its origins are not Irish, but yet it, it has been in Ireland for a long time. Okay, and very good.